Hi, this is Warren Leaf. Welcome to episode of three of my podcast, Living Life After Divorce. While I realize these podcasts are being delivered more frequently than usual, I felt it was important to provide background as I talk about my journey from surviving to healing to discovering my best self. So after this episode, I'll be switching to a more traditional once a week delivery. In this episode, I'll be talking about my experience of using a mediator rather than a lawyer in filing for divorce, as well as preparing to sell our house and ultimately the disillusion of the marriage. Most people are stunned when they hear that the process only took four months to complete. And some lawyers have told me in many cases, the process can take years to finalize. My goal, however, was to the best of my ability, minimize the impact on everyone so that we can all begin the healing process and start to put our lives back together. I knew that our resources and assets were such that division could easily be accomplished. And going into the process, I felt that a 50-50 split was fair and equitable. I hope my student-to-be-ex would accept the offer. I advised my student-to-be-ex that going through a mediator rather than retaining separate counsel would not only allow the process to move quickly, but more importantly, would save us both a considerable amount of money. She found And we agreed to work with a local mediator at an agreed price of $3,000, an amount, once again, many people were surprised we paid. I made it clear to the mediator that the intent was, to the best of everyone's ability, to move the process along as expediently as possible. The mediator prepared the court filing, and within a month of our initial consultation, my student-to-be-ex and I headed to the courthouse to file the paperwork pay the court fee $175 and put the legal wheels in motion. Next came negotiations on the splitting of the assets, working with the realtor to list the house for sale, then preparing the house for sale. Through the process, we were still living in the same house, albeit sleeping in separate rooms and trying to deal with the fallout for our younger son who was still living in the house with us. My sister is a mortgage broker for a large real estate company in the state and recommended a real estate agent for us to use. We met, agreed on a selling price, and signed the contract to sell the house. It should be noted that I had left my job and was using my severage package to fund us so that I can focus my efforts on the task in hand. I will talk more about the selling process and the experience of finding a new place to live in the next episode. We were meeting with the mediator once a week, focusing the majority of our attention on the financial affidavit to make sure all all assets were properly listed and agreed upon. Then came the negotiation on alimony and the other expenses after the divorce was finalized. I was already paying the lease for her car. I agreed to continue to pay the lease through the expiration of the contract. I also provided what I felt was a reasonable alimony amount that would support her, but also leave me enough money to live on. As I think we all expected, my younger son expressed his intentions to live with me. That meant I needed to find a place with at least two bedrooms. My soon-to-be ex found a studio apartment. Now here's the part that really frustrated me. I had assumed that the whole purpose for using a mediator was that it was a single point of contact for both of us and that the mediator would help us work through any disputes or conflicts. Well, to my surprise, once my soon-to-be ex and I completed our financial affidavits and agreed on all expenses and payments, the mediator basically insisted we obtain our own separate counsel to review the divorce decree and make additional recommendations. It costs us almost as much for outside counsel as the cost of the mediator. I personally believe our mediator was simply unwilling to assume any responsibility and was deflecting away from herself. 
once all the negotiations have been completed, by the way, the original amounts I offered to pay, yeah, they ended up being the exact same amounts after all the dealings with outside counsel. I'm telling you, what an incredible waste of money. The mediator then completed the necessary documentation and my soon-to-be ex and I had to once again deliver them to the court for processing and the scheduling of the court date. Our state has what is referred to as a mandatory 90-day cooling off period. The intent is that couples can use that time to determine if a reconciliation is possible. At the request of my soon-to-be ex and I, we asked the mediator to approach the judge, assign our case, and ask for a waiver as neither of us wanted to drag the process out any longer as was necessary. Our waiver was granted, and two weeks after the affidavits were submitted, our court date was assigned. The day of the hearing was difficult to say the least. We needed to be at the courthouse for 10 a.m. The courthouse is about 10 minutes from our house. She left the house by 8.30. I didn't leave the house till about 9.30. I didn't see her before she left. When I arrived at the courthouse, I proceeded to the courtroom that was assigned. She was already seated. I sat in the row behind. When the judge entered the room for the first time, things got very, very real, very quickly. The judge addressed the courtroom to set expectations that under certain circumstances, not everyone there would have their divorce finalized that day. I, however, felt very confident we would not fall into that category. When our name was called, we were instructed to head to a smaller courtroom to continue the proceedings. Once there, we were seated with three other couples plus their respective counsel. A new judge entered the room and the proceedings began. The couple was called to their respective tables and was addressed by the judge. The whole process literally took no more than 10 minutes. The judge asked the husband and wife a series of questions and when neither contested the outcome, the judge asked the final question to the wife, which was, did she want to retain her married name? When she responded, the judge read a statement indicating that the marriage had been dissolved and that each person was now officially same single. It seemed very, very mechanical. And once the judge was finished speaking, all parties involved left the courtroom. And then the moment arrived. We were called to our respective tables and sworn in. Our mediator addressed the judge with her opening remarks. The judge then began the questioning, first to my soon-to-be ex, and then a more detailed questioning of me. When neither of us contested the divorce, the judge asked my soon-to-be ex if she would retain her married name, which she, she did. The judge then declared us divorced and single. The courtroom was on the second floor of the courthouse with only one elevator. As the three of us left the courtroom, I took the stairs in order to respect my now ex's emotions. <laughs> Excuse me. We left the courthouse through different exits. I went immediately home. She didn't arrive back for several hours. When I arrived home, I sat on my bed trying to process the magnitude of what I had just experienced. My emotions were literally all over the place. I was single for the first time in 35 years. I was free from the stresses of a failing marriage had inflicted on me. I was open to endless possibilities and opportunities without the need for approval or fear of rejection or criticism. I was able to focus on me and decide what I wanted my future to look like. But at the same time, I was dealing with the emotions of what I have done to my family. It's not supposed to end this way. The boys, as they knew it, was their life was turned upside down. They're, no, they're normal, no matter how good or bad was gone. 
the only home Kyle knew was going away, all because my focus was on me. I will tell you that being newly divorced, yet forced to live in the same house as your ex is devastating. The tension is unbearable. It produces a toxic environment and more fighting because we still had to clean out the house and decide what each of us were taking and then what we wanted to keep collectively, like the boys' cribs, pictures, etc. Ultimately, we rented a storage unit to store things we both wanted to keep, but neither had the room for. We split the cost, but after two years, it's time to reevaluate the cost and the need. I really believe we can get rid of a lot of the stuff that's in there, downside, and save some money. I encourage you, if possible, to have an alternative plans in place for where you're going to stay if you're still dealing with the sale of your home but your divorce has been finalized as no one comes out of cohabit no nothing good i should say comes out of cohabitating then there were the questions of how our friends the ones we still had left and relatives perceived us and what it means for the holidays weddings funerals family gatherings my soon-to-be ex didn't come from a strong family circle so she didn't have that support system to lean on and that weighed on me as well. We lost a lot of friends during our time together as so often we'd be invited to parties, gatherings, weddings, et cetera. And at the last minute would we need to cancel because she had an excuse as to why she wouldn't go. In the beginning, I would still go and make up a reason for her not being there, but ultimately it became too uncomfortable. So I just stopped going. I can't tell you, I can't begin to tell you how many family holidays and celebrations she didn't attend for one reason or another. My mother and sister finally stopped asking me where she was because they didn't want to upset me. So now I'm in the rebuilding phase and trying to reestablish repair relationships. But there are so many people who, without full disclosure of our situation, have sided with her and are no longer willing to have anything to do with me. And you know what? I am totally fine with that. Clearly, they were never really my friends in the first place. So while there were huge positives, there are equal huge negatives and impacts. In the next episode, I will focus more on the impact to my kids and the huge mistake I made underestimating the impact on them. I hope you find this episode of Living Life After Divorce informative. I look forward to sharing more information and helping us all live our best life after divorce. Talk to you all next week. Thanks. I'm not going to be able to do that.